When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Wednesday. Great to have your company. Later on on the program, I'll speak to a gentleman that has played for Fremantle, played for Richmond. I'll ask him questions about the Tigers and if it's a good move in re-signing the likes of Jack Revolt and Tritt Concha for another year and also played, and in fact, he played just under 100 games for Richmond, also played three seasons at the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, we're talking about Ashley Prescott, who currently is the coach of the Claremont Footy Club, and they will do battle with East Fremantle in the SENWA feature match on Saturday at uh, 1.40 at East Fremantle Oval. It's the qualifying final. The winner has the right to take on West Perth in the second semi-final in the WAFL, and the loser goes uh, through to the first semi-final to play the winner of the elimination final, which is staged this Sunday at 10 minutes past 12 between Peel Thunder and South Fremantle. Ashley Prescott uh, a bit later on. Also, we'll have a uh, chat, as we do every month, uh, to find out what's happening at all the venues West's uh, stadium here at Optus, at RAC Arena, at Champion Lakes, at Motorplex, uh, the events that are coming up, focusing on sports. So you've got a bit of a diary on what's ahead and to make sure that you can plan accordingly to maybe be in attendance to see some of the great sporting events at Venues West uh, Stadium. All right, uh, let's have a look at some of the major stories overnight. Unfortunately, from a tennis perspective, Nick Kyrgios and Isla Tomlanovic are out. Uh, Isla was out in straight sets to Onzjabur, the number five ranked player in the world, and now one of the favourites to take out her maiden Grand Slam. She got to the final at Wimbledon and was beaten by Rybakina. And here she is now into the semi-final, the last four, the Tunisian at uh, the US Open there in Flushing Meadow. Isla, on the other hand, was no doubt a bit disappointed, losing 6-4 and the second set tie break that saw her go out in straight sets. Yeah, I thought Ons played great. Um, I was pretty disappointed with my serving today. I think that's the biggest thing that let me down. Um, not just the double faults, but just the percentage wasn't great. And then my first ball after, yeah, I was always under pressure with the scoreline. So, yeah, I never really found my rhythm on the serve. But overall, I mean, good week. I mean, making a quarter is always a good week. Um, some good memories I made, but at the same time, I can learn a lot from this match. And, yeah, um, the experience can only help me. Yeah, so uh, she lost 6-4-7-6, a high-class affair at Arthur Ashe Stadium, actually. And uh, um, Ayla Tomlanovic now is ranked number 34 in the world. She took a bit of a subtle swipe because there was no rankings points at Wimbledon. Had she got ranking points at Wimbledon, then she would have automatically qualified being in the world's top 32 to secure a seating for her home Grand Slam in Melbourne in January. Now... She won't get a seeding because she falls outside the top 32. 
Nick Kyrgios, as I mentioned, he crashed out of the US Open with a leg injury and a series of poorly timed errors, killing off a golden chance to win his first Grand Slam. Uh, he was beaten by Karen Kachanov and had the backing of a raucous New York crowd. He fell in five sets, 7-5, 4-6, 7-5, 6-7, 6-4 in three hours and 39 minutes. Yeah, it just came out flat. Um, physically didn't feel great and then I ended up feeling great towards the end of the match. Um, yeah, I'm obviously devastated, but all credit to Karen. He just—he's a fighter. He's and he's a warrior. You know, he's, he's, I thought he served really good today. Um, honestly, probably the best server I played this tournament. To be honest, the way he was hitting his spots under pressure, and he just played the big points well. Um, there wasn't really anything in it. I'm just devastated, obviously. Um, I just feel like it was either winning it all or nothing at all. To be honest, I feel like I've just failed at this. This event right now, that's what it feels like. Anything can be done to stop the crowd shouting out during match? I don't game. care about that right now. Nick, the, um, the injury, um, how much of a hardship was that at the start? What, what kind of happened there? Yeah, just knees sore. Obviously, I've been playing a lot of tennis the last couple of months. Just came out, you know, the court was a little bit... I just split-stepped and just tweaked it a little bit and then ended up feeling fine. got some deep heat on it. Everyone's probably car carrying a bit of a niggle right now, so nothing major. Just it didn't, I didn't end up feeling it towards the third, fourth, and fifth. I felt great physically. At the end of the match, honestly, I feel fine. Just mentally distraught. Alan Cricks Press Association. Nick, is that your season done now, or might you play another tournament? Honestly, I don't even really care about any other tournament. Like I feel like at the Grand Slams. Now having success at a Grand Slam, it's just like no other tournament really matters. Like, it's like you get better, you get worse, and then at a Grand Slam, none of it matters. You either win or lose. People don't really care if you got better on the day or you lost four in the fifth or you played at one of the hell, like one of the best matches of the tournament. You lost. So that's all people remember at a Grand Slam, whether you win or you lose. And I think pretty much every other tournament during the year is a waste of time. Really, you just you front up and show up at a Grand Slam. That's what you remembered by, so. Now, now that you kind of have an idea of what you're capable of from Wimbledon, from, you know, against Medvedev, do def defeats like this hurt more? Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as I said, yeah, they do. I honestly feel, I feel like shit. I feel like I've let so many people down. Sure. I just, I don't know, I just, I feel like, yeah, I'm playing Tokyo and stuff, but I just like, I feel like these four tournaments are the only ones that are ever gonna matter. And it's just like you've got to start it all again. And I have to wait till Australian Open. There you go. Nick Kyrgios at the press conference. Doesn't feel too good uh, after losing in five to Karen Kachanov uh, there. But uh, he'll get on the big silver bird. He'll fly down under. He'll go to Canberra, see his mum, see his dad, and uh, start feeling good about himself ahead of uh, the Australian Open in January of next year. And as you mentioned, he will play in Tokyo and a couple of other tournaments before the year's out. Well, we're going to speak to a gentleman, Rob Casey, after the break. He's been right across the US Open. We'll have a chat to him about Kyrgios, about Tom Lanovic, and about so much more in tennis after the break here on Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. 
Yeah, it's great to have your company. And let's continue what is significant, one of the biggest events on the world stage at the moment, the US Tennis Open. A man that has coached for many time, a former Davis Cup player, and he's based here in Perth, and he's seen many a player come and go. We're talking about Rob Casey. Rob, thanks for your time. You're enjoying the US Open? Yeah, pleasure, Pete, to be here again. But, yes, I have. I um I often feel that the U.S. Open sort of tagged on the end of the other slams, and perhaps I don't pay quite as much attention to it unless there's something realistic and you know sort of interesting happening. But this one has been of special interest because of uh, Kyrgios's performance and, and other and other things that are happening at the event. Yeah, he bowed out today in a five-setter against uh, Karen Kachakov of Russia, which was disappointing. But saying that, how have you viewed Kyrgios's game and his evolution in recent times? Yes, well, I, I did watch the Medvedev match uh, almost complete in completion. It was raining, and so I was home, and I just uh, switched it on. I've got to say, those last two sets of his um, were two of the best sets I've seen played by any player at any time. Medvedev's uh, number one player in the world. Um, he's not beaten easily. And Kyrgios just completely tore those te- two sets away from him, especially when that little fracas happened and Medvedev tried to get the crowd going, um, which was, I think, a tactical mistake on his part. And uh, Kyrgios responded with two booming aces and, and an unplayable. And his performance from there on to the end of that match was simply thrilling. And I thought his performance, uh, I didn't see all of it today, against Kachkov, but I saw enough of it to um, be quite um, sort of surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised by his behaviour and the way he, he presented at the match. And really, I mean, you know, this guy's a really good player. Anyone who's playing at this level, big serve, tremendous off the ground. And I thought, you know, a five-set loss to a guy like that uh, at a slam is, uh, an, you know, a disappointment for him. But still a very good performance. Yeah, it certainly was. He only lost it right at the end after he shook the umpire's hand and then decided to uh, send a couple of tennis rackets, as they say, to tennis heaven. He just smashed them. That's how frustrated he was, but he certainly kept his composure on court. Saying that, when you look at uh, Nick Kyrgios, uh, many saying he's got the best serve in the game. How do you view his serve? Yes, I've I've said that often personally to people that, you know, want to listen. I mean, I just see his serve as... Unreadable. I don't think he served as well in the in the um, amount of time that I watched it today. I don't think he served as well as he did against Medvedev. He was missing his first serve a bit more, but it's still such um, a weapon that, with all the other talents he's got um, and his ability to bring these drop shots and short balls into play, which often um, sort of was a little Mickey Mouse the way he applied it. But uh, against Medvedev, when you've got players sitting so far back, his ability to bring the ball short um, was was a feature of this tournament. And, and in these matches recently, his ability to mix up with his serve volley, especially on the second serve, which is sort of unheard of in these days, uh, simply thrilling. And it, it, it's a, um, a fact that he doesn't have a coach, or I'm, I'm sure he's talking to other players and people around him, but his technical awareness and knowledge given the fact that he doesn't have a coach who's uh, working with him in his tactical um, procedures, is quite outstanding, really. Mm, it is outstanding. I know you're uh, losing your voice, uh, Rob, so I won't yes. keep you too much longer. Isla Tomlanovic, uh, who has been on the circuit for a number of years, after, of course, representing Australia some years ago, after originally coming from Croatia, she bowed out of the quarterfinal stage today, but her game has come on nicely as well. Yes, it's 
seems to be um, the apprenticeship aspect of the tennis circuit um, has always been something that's been known. And, and a lot of players, um, you know, Chris Johnston uh, would be an example. I, I certainly was off the circuit at 24. People, have, you have to stay on the circuit for a long time. And I think Tim Lanovich is really one of those great examples of a player whose apprenticeship has been done, who's completed it and is now uh, basically in the workforce and starting to really learn her trade. Um, I hear Stamps, as you said, Storm Sanders did well and in, is in the mixed doubles. And it seems to be a period of time needs to be applied on the circuit before you're able to, uh, other than the greats like Federer and Nadal Djokovic, who may come of age more quickly. Um, and a lot of these players stick around long enough and start to produce some really good tennis. Duckworth, the Australian player, is another Millman who came of age quite late. So it's quite a fascinating thing that... Um, you know that period of time that needs to be served um, on the on the circuit is is apparent in some of these successes. And Rob, before I let you go, I've got to get your thoughts. Uh, the big event, of course, at the US Open, certainly from an American perspective, was uh, the bowing out after a, a fantastic career, a career of uh, Serena Williams. Your thoughts on where she ranks in all time great? Because there's been that conjecture, even though at the US Open. Arthur Ashe Arena, they keep flashing around the greatest of all time. How did you view her career and where she sits? Yeah, despite my respect for Margaret's uh, record, um, it's my personal opinion that Serena is the best of all because uh, even though she's one slam, yes, less, and um, you just can't apply numbers. Um, the Australian Open in the 12 or 13 times that Margaret won it perhaps didn't quite figure um, as this Grand Slam event, similar to all four of the events, the majors now. So um, irrespective of whether you like Serena or Margaret personally and all those aspects, um, I you know, begrudgingly have to say that I think perhaps you know, Serena's career uh, stands her out as the best player ever, even, uh, despite the respect you have to have for someone like Margaret who's won 64 grand same titles. Yeah, no, amazing. And, of course, Serena bows out. And we wait to see what happens with Roger Federer. He hasn't played for a long time. But when he bows out, the story will be probably even bigger because of what Roger Federer has done for the game and the popularity he has worldwide. Yes, and it was an interesting thing. There was a, uh, I think Paul McNamee was putting it out over the last couple of days that this was the first time since 2003 that you didn't have um, Djokovic, Nadal, Serena and or Federer in a quarterfinal um, of a major um, in nearly 20 years. So, <laughs> you know, their effect on the game is simply... You know, unbelievable. And, and um, I'm a bit worried about when Roger does return. Um, he's been out, you know, it must be a year or more now. And at 40 years of age, despite his greatness, the ability to uh, have that time out of the game and then come back and compete, certainly at that age, is, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly sceptical about that. And I, I hope he does. I hope he does well, but I'm just a bit fearful about that. Uh, good on you, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Go rest your voice and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, mate. Good on you, Rob Casey, joining us here on uh, SEN Drive with uh, Peter Vlahos, and uh, good to have a chat to him. So, anyway, that's where the Australian interest now uh, ceases. But as I said, from a local perspective, Storm Sanders is still in the mixed doubles with uh, her partner. So, good luck to Storm, the lass from Rockingham.
Just in some AFL news, uh, Jack Revolt uh, confirmed last night that he has signed for 2023 for the Richmond Football Club. I'll speak to my next guest, Ashley Prescott, about that. But here's Jack. I'm going around again next year, um, which is exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to be playing again for the Tigers in 2023. Uh, I feel a bit embarrassed how much this has sort of been blown up a little bit. I'm just a an old codger that's got to the end of my career that I'm um, just going to roll around again. So it's very exciting. Um, and uh, I, one thing I'm really proud of is the fact that there was no sort of um, quick decisions. It was actually made together. So, um, and that's probably what it, the thing that sort of holds me in good stead going in next, you know, and that the club still see me as a serviceable player and I still feel like I've um, got a, got plenty to, to play for. Like I've been very lucky to, have been paid extremely well for a, a long period of time now that um, I'm not playing for any sort of financial gain, really. I'm playing to hopefully win another premiership. Yeah, she took a pay cut from all reports. Uh, the other footy news, the Essendon Coaching Committee can scrub Ross Lyon from its list of potential replacements for Ben Rutten. Lyon, the former St Kilda and Freo coach, has reportedly declined to be part of the process to be the next coach of the Bombers. Let me tell you, he was never considered. As long as Mark Harvey... The former Fremantle Dockers coach is involved with Essendon. Ross Lyon was never going to get a look in. So, again, that grew, that story, from a couple of his former teammates at St Kilda. Uh, I don't think Ross Lyon was ever going to coach the Bombers. All right, uh, Christian Petrarca is an important player for the Melbourne Demons. They take on Brisbane in uh, that semi-final, the first of two, on Friday night at the MCG, is he fit enough to play? I want to be out there on Friday night, 100%. I, I don't want to miss it for anything, to be honest. I, uh, but that that means if I'm fully healthy, I don't want to compromise another player's position or spot in the team if I'm not fully fit or healthy. Um, and that's what I said before. You know, I ticked off a really good box today in main training. I'll tick off another one. Um, I've got a day off tomorrow, but I'll still tick off a few things. And then Thursday, we've got a captain's run. So I'll try and, um, you know, tick a few boxes off there, probably more some contact stuff and some tackling. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm a competitive person. I want to be out there. I, I played the second half. Um, and, I, and that's probably the, the pleasing sign is that the fact that I played three quarters um, – on, on this injury and I felt like I did okay. I mean, I probably wasn't explosive, but I actually felt like I warmed up in the second half um, and played a lot better than the, than the second quarter. So, um, you know, it is it is probably more of a mental thing, to be honest, the last few days, just obviously the media around it and people messaging me and asking me how it's going and, you know, I've, you know just obviously it's not broken. Like that's probably the one thing that's frustrating me is sort of the – your mindset around it like it's not it's not a broken leg it's stable the doctors have fully cleared me of, of that and, and told me that you know i'm going to cause no further injury and, and that's put my mind at ease a lot and just focusing on that it is just a corky and um you know i can go out there and play there you go christian Petrarca. he'll be there for the demons against the lions on friday night kim hagdorn had his say about willie rioli supposedly and almost now certain heading towards uh, port adelaide to continue his AFL career and Haggis was a bit disappointed considering the time and effort that the West Coast Eagles had put in to Junior Rioli. And this is what Xavier Ellis, the former Hawthorne and West Coast Eagles player, had to say about the issue. You know, play the best footy, you got to be comfortable. And for me, yeah, I learnt that when I wasn't playing footy. Now, I'll tell you what would make you comfortable. Go on. Getting paid for two years when you're banned for two years. That yeah. would make you pretty comfortable. Yes, this is West Not Coast, having to pay for the QC fees of your, your, your cases that you've mm. had in the last two years. Don't have them waived. Mm. That would make me feel a bit comfortable. Yeah, jeez. Willie Rioli, I think you owe West Coast. 
There you go. That's Xavier Ellis on Perth Radio a bit earlier today regarding uh, Junior Rioli. And just uh, before we take a break, uh, you may watch the cricket last night, Australia getting up over New Zealand. What about uh, West Australian hero Cameron Green? He's revealed today he's a serial cramper and has declared he should be good to go for Friday's one-day rematch with New Zealand after battling his way through a match-winning innings in Cairns last night. It appears the humidity got to him. The all-rounder had to be treated multiple times for cramp. I was watching this as his calves just seized up during his unbeaten career-high innings of 89 that helped rescue Australia from 5 for 44 in the opening match, and they got home by one wicket. And bad luck to Ange Postacoglu, his Celtic side. Uh, they played pretty well in the first 45 minutes and could have gone ahead against the European champions, Real Madrid. But in the end, uh, they were too good, uh, Real Madrid. They lost 3-0, did Celtic, to the European giants at home there in Glasgow. And Postacoglu was left to lament missed chances after Real gave Celtic a lesson in cool finishing in the first game of Group F. Of course, they play again. Now the Champions League group stage, their next match is in Warsaw. They travel there next Wednesday and they'll need to get back on the horse after that uh, loss at home uh, in the earliest hour, hour, hours of this morning. We're going to take a break. Uh, after the break, uh, Ash Prescott's going to join us. He's a current coach of the Claremont Footy Club, but he's also had stints, played nearly 100 games with Richmond and also has been involved with the Fremantle Dockers. We'll speak to Ash Prescott next here on Drive. Drive with Peter Vlahos. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this Wednesday. Of course, tomorrow night it's Footy Selections Night. We'll have a uh, good look on how the Fremantle lineup uh, will go against Collingwood at the weekend at the MCG. Amazing that it's a sellout, really. Uh, I think yesterday there was about 4,500 uh, Fremantle supporters that got tickets uh, that were heading across the Nullarbor to the MCG for the big one late Saturday afternoon, our time. Interesting, actually, when I'm about to introduce my next special guest, he's been involved with Fremantle as a player. And, of course, Richmond bowed out of the finals last weekend. And, of course, he was involved in a couple of stints in various capacities at the Richmond Football Club. And the other reason I've got him on is because he's coaching Claremont in a qualifying final against East Fremantle at the weekend. I'm talking about Ashley Prescott. He joins us on the program now. Ash, thanks for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Gee, you've got a pretty good footy pedigree, you know, when you look at your CV. <laughs> oh, no, I'm getting old, Peter. It's nah, a, nah. It's a bit of a worry. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're a young man, no, I believe. I've been you're... very fortunate. Very fortunate. I've, I've certainly loved my involvement in footy over a long period of time. Of course, you played nearly 100 games for the Richmond Football Club uh, from about the early to the late 90s, and you probably had always a soft spot. And I think you went back there, of course, in a coaching capacity before you came back west. Mm. Your thoughts on Richmond as a footy club, firstly, and secondly, uh, what they've done this season? I mean, they've, they've had a fantastic year, haven't they, Peter? And, um, you know, a real, they created a real, a real dynasty. I think, I think this year they probably finished off where where they'd be expected to. You know, losing the amount of close games that they did, um, you know, it'll be one they'll probably look back and go, yeah, we could have could have finished off a bit better. But I think they're rebuilding a little bit. I think, you know, obviously a couple of their superstars through the midfield are, are getting a little bit older, but they've, they've sort of ushered in some 
some new exciting young talent, which I think will hold them in really good stead. So yeah, it'd probably be a, a, one of those seasons I'll look back on with a little bit of regret, but I think they're probably heading in the right direction. Mm. Are you surprised they've decided to keep Jack Revolt and Trent Conchard for another year, or do you need those sort of experienced players, particularly, as you said, as they try and bring some young talent in? Oh, I think it's really important, and and you know I think you know as an outsider looking in, those guys certainly played some some pretty good footy. So you know as long as they're contributing on the field, and and we know they're obviously legends of the club and and add a lot to the culture, I think it's a it's a good good way to do it. And I think I I did read that they signed on one year deal, so they're you know they're obviously have got good dialogue going and understand that those guys are coming to the end. But um, you know they're obviously very passionate and loyal uh, Richmond people. Of course, you now live uh, and breathe West Australian footy culture as coach of the Claremont mm. Football Club, but you played with the Fremantle Dockers for around three seasons. You notched up over 30 games and now being immersed in Western Australia, your thoughts on your other AFL club? Oh, look, they've had a fantastic year and, and you know, they've been building really nicely and you know, some of their footy that they've played has been has been super exciting, and you know they got the, the purple army behind them, and you know I think they're coming into a, a fantastic period. Uh, you know, the under twenty two, I think um, all Australian teams a great reflection of that with with some of their young talent coming through. Um, so I think it's a it's a really exciting time, and you know there's there's really strong possibility I think that they can continue on. You know, they're going to be faced against. You know, very challenging Collingwood at the MCG, but what what a fantastic experience! Um, you know, not only for the footy club, but a lot of those young talented players to to play on the big stage against Collingwood um, at the MCG in a final. So, as a player, and you have been involved in these sort of situations where you start poorly and you trail by a significant margin, like forty one points, which was the case for Fremantle, and then you come back and you get over the top of the opposition and you win a game. What does that do for the psyche of the squad? before they tackle another big challenge like this week against Collingwood for Fremantle? Yeah, I mean, well, they're going to have... There's going to be momentum swings, you know, whether that's Fremantle's way or, or Collingwood's way. But I think to do what they did um, was perfect. So I think they'll, they'll gain a lot of belief out of it. I think they'll also, you know, closely examine probably what went wrong in that first quarter, um, you know. But for a young side, and I'm sure Justin's message, you know, at, um, at quarter time was we need to put that one behind us pretty quick, um, you know, and just sort of grind away, or probably at halftime, I should say, and just grind away. And it probably freed them up to some extent that they knew that if they didn't take more risks and didn't start, you know, working a bit harder and get their hands on the ball, you know, the scoreboard would have gone the other way. So, you know, really, really exciting um, and obviously a, a super performance. And I think they'll take a lot away from that moving forward. Mm. OK, let's look at the uh, the big one this weekend the qualifying final on Saturday between East Fremantle and Claremont being played at East Fremantle Oval. Firstly, your thoughts on having the game played at East Fremantle Oval where it really hasn't been used other than a couple of games that have had to be shifted from Leadable Oval because of the Leadable Oval surface. Yeah, oh, look, it's interesting. And I think you, you don't you don't look too much into it. I think the fixture comes out and, and you just play where it needed to be played. In, in some respects, I think it would have been nice for... For, for football in general, for him to play at the Wacker and, and East Fremantle have obviously played there for the majority of the year. Um, look, but they've they've finished second, so they earn the earn the right to to have a home ground advantage. And I do believe they've been training there all year. So um, yeah, whether it would have been nice, like I say, to, to have probably played at the Wacker, but 
um, you know, Shark Park's a great venue and, and hopefully a big crowd turn up and, and they can witness a great game mm. of footy. Of course, in your final home and away game, you played against the West Coast WAFL side. You did enough uh, to win. Was it the perfect preparation going into a, a sudden death game like, well, not sudden death, but a big game like uh, this one yeah. against the Sharks this week? Yeah, I think it was, you know, to play to play a West Coast Eagles side that, that had, I think, 14 um, senior listed players um, is a good tune-up. And I think you, you've got to be a little bit careful at looking the results of, um, of West Coast. Um, and I spoke to the boys during the week last week about the fact that they had a lot of very, very good good AFL, AFL players that were potentially playing for contracts and um, making sure that they showed Adam Simpson and the, and the match committee that they should be part of the plans going forward. So... And, and we certainly got that from West Coast. They were, they were really hard and ferocious and, um, you know, had, had a really strong midfield. So, yeah, we, I thought we played some really good footy and it was a good lead-in. We probably just missed some opportunities forward of centre, just through some ball-handling skills that, you know, you always want to be... You want to be better, but um, all in all, I think it was a, it was a really good good hit out against a quality side that hopefully will hold us in good stead. Well, um, you must this weekend against well, the Sharks. You must feel confident going into the finals because you've beaten all the other finalists, including the minor premiers West Perth twice. So there's no question your best is very much good enough. Yeah, I think so, Peter. Yeah, and um, you know I think we've just had some little little slip ups here and there just where we've maybe dropped off a little bit of an intensity levels during games. So I think that's the challenge for us to make sure we, you know, maintain that consistency, you know, continue to play sort of our style of football, you know, off the back of respecting the opposition. But but the, the group has demonstrated that our best is good enough and it's a very even competition. So, you know, we're in there swinging, um, you know, and our first challenge is against East Fremantle, and they touched us up a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, hopefully we can learn some lessons out of that that can um, hold us in good stead. Jai Bolton's an interesting one. I spoke to him actually pre-season where he confessed that he'd be playing a bit in defence to try and give other midfield opportunities to to younger players. But, of course, he was in the middle in that game last week. How will you use him on Saturday against the Sharks? Well, the beauty of Jai is, is we've got that that flexibility is because he's, he's shown that he can play in a, in a variety of positions. So, yeah, we're probably predominantly looking looking to play a little bit more across half-back, um, potentially. We just feel that probably his ball use and his um, his drive across that half-back line could could help create some opportunities. But but he's also, at times, um, gone through the midfield, as we know, and, and drifted forward. So... I think that the versatility that he provides the team, um, you know, along with Benny Edwards and Bailey Rogers, who, who have done similar this year, can help us. So, yeah, we'll probably just wait and see. But, um, you know, it's great that, that we know he can provide that flexibility. And more importantly, he really wants to do that to try and be the best um, best version of himself for our, for our 22 that run out. I know he took over the uh, captaincy and leadership responsibilities last week uh, in the absence of Declan Mountford, who had some delayed concussion. Is Mountford okay for Saturday? Yeah, he will be. He um, yeah, he ticked all the boxes and, and it was just one of those ones that, um, you know, there's some, some fantastic support and help for players that are, that are in those situations with, with slight concussions. So he's ticked all the boxes and, um, yeah, he's feeling great, um, most importantly, and, and ready to go. Mm. Saying that, uh, what has been the preparation leading into a qualifying final? As we know, from the qualifying final, it's uh, straight into a second semi and the shortest way possible to a grandy. What have you learned from last year and what are you putting in place this year? Because you are perennial finalists, are the Tigers. 
Yeah, well, we have been, and it's it's probably about about trying to find out how we're going to go from being finalists to to winning a flag. So you know, and that process started back in the preseason, Peter, with um you know with getting the right leaders in place and and creating our our, our values and standards and and sort of expectations that we want to we want to drive and live by. Um, and the boys have been been really good. Our reserves are also. I think finished second or third, so so we've got both sides in um, in the finals, and you know hopefully all that hard work and, and preparation we've done done thus far holds us in good stead because yeah we've certainly got unfinished business and um, and some guys have been on the the back end of some disappointing results late in September, so hopefully that drive and resolve can um, can give us every chance. Just a couple of final questions. Uh, your defence, for the most part, certainly in recent weeks, has been quite miserly. You only conceded six goals last week. That must be pleasing as well. Yeah, it is. We, we, we want to be a team that... that um, that defends first and creates opportunities off the back of, of defence. So, yeah, we, we feel our 18-man defence is, is pretty sound and, and it's going to need to be against East Fremantle because they're offensively, along with West Perth, um, unbelievably dangerous teams that, that, that play straight and attack through the corridor. So, you know, we, we do a lot of work on our on our team defence, um, you know, and that starts at full forward. It's, it's, it's everyone's involved. And, yeah, we're going to have to be at our best um, this week against um, East Romano. And sure. finally, looking at your forward line, of course, the goal kickers have been spread, haven't they, really, from the likes of Butler and Manuel and Smallwood and House, and they've all contributed, Rogers. Uh, so how do you handle a forward line where there's not one clear spearhead that maybe can kick, kick you a match-winning tally on the day? Yeah, it's actually it's a really good observation, Peter. It is probably a little bit of a missing link just at the moment, um, and we've certainly got personnel there that we know can can contribute, and, and hopefully we can just continue to spread the load um, amongst those guys because we're probably just missing that guy that that's, that's kicked big bags. Um, but that doesn't really matter. I think it's about it's about contribution and having an even spread of, of guys that not only hit the scoreboard but defend really hard and, and try and hold that ball in the forward line. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can just continue to do that um, during this final series. Good luck. It should be a beauty. East Romandle and Claremont, uh, two big brands in WAFL footy. We wish you the best of luck, Ashley. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Ashley Prescott joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos as we look ahead to the WAFL finals, the first week. And it is on Saturday, the qualifying final up there at East Fremantle Oval. Gets underway at 1.40, uh, the match between East Fremantle and Claremont. And then on Sunday, we've got the elimination final between Peel Thunder, who secured their passage with that dominant win over Swan Districts last Sunday down there in Mandra. Peel Thunder taking on South Fremantle. And that gets underway at 10 minutes past 12 on Sunday, the elimination final. Uh, no football for the loser of that one for the remainder of 2022. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. After the break, we're going to have a look at see what are the major events that are happening at all the venues West arenas, including what's coming here to Optus Stadium. Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West, will join us as he normally does once a month here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, drive with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Wednesday night. Of course, tomorrow night, it's AFL Team Selections Night. We'll bring you all the ins and outs 
of the four teams that are partaking in the finals this weekend. As we know, it is uh, the Dockers taking on Collingwood on Saturday in Melbourne and Brisbane on Friday night. Uh, Kim Hagnon will join us in the studio to discuss the teams and also uh, bring us all the latest news as well. Speaking about the latest news, wasn't it a fantastic atmosphere last uh, Saturday night here at Optus Stadium? Uh, The whole stadium in purple to see the Dockers uh, do battle with the Western Bulldogs and, of course, progress through to that final on Sunday being the semi-final. But, of course, there's a lot of attention now being redirected to what else is happening here at Optus Stadium. And to bring us up to date with that in his normal monthly segment, and it's always great to have a chat to him, is Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West. Pete, thanks for your time. No worries. Good evening, Peter. How are you travelling, mate? It was a big event last Saturday night, wasn't it? Oh, look, just home finals are the ducks nuts, aren't they? And then Frio to, to give us a scare like that in the first quarter, but then to come home with the goods is just wonderful. And, um, mate, I couldn't think of anything better than an, an upset win, possibly this um, week. I mean, we won't have the AFL grand final last year. It was certainly a once-in-a-lifetime uh, event. However, if our team makes it all the way, what could be better? Yeah, but you all have AFL grand final events of some sort here at Optus, I believe. I would hope so. I mean, the, the Victorian government's done a pretty good job of um, of wrapping up, obviously, the main game. So what we've got on at Optus is um, a couple of different options to go and watch the game. You can go to our river room. You can book a private suite. You can go into the sports lounge. There's, there's a whole range of options that you can become part of that and feel the atmosphere. Obviously, um, Saturday the 24th of September, the last Saturday in September, known across Australia, mate. So best place to watch it outside of the MCG is at Optus Stadium. No question. Uh, the AFLW season is up and running now. And, of course, in round five, no doubt the uh, women's players in the AFLW will be pretty excited about playing at Optus Stadium. We're talking uh, the AFLW derby between the Dockers and the Eagles. It is. It is. And one that the Eagles actually haven't won to date. So they're trying to pick up their first win. But look, Pete, isn't it great to see AFLW live at Optus Stadium? And also what, what I thought was absolutely fantastic was the, the integral part of the, the record-breaking TV rights deal, you know, was, was absolutely fully contained, all the AFLW. So fantastic um, direction for women's sport. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Four five, $4.5 billion. Uh, nothing to be sneezed <laughs> at over seven years, let me tell you. Uh, of course, once October rolls around, uh, the sports dynamics change a bit. We've got some cricket happening here and a big event too. And also there's a cancer ride. Tell us more about those. Yeah, look, I was thinking, so the people probably haven't turned their mind to cricket yet. And then, look, with Frio, you know, in a quest for a flag and the quality of the games on the weekend, I can understand it. But, Pete, we're not that far away from the Men's T20 World Cup. And Perth has got a plethora of games. And the one, I've got to pick one that that I think you can't miss. The 9th of October is Australia versus England, and there's still tickets available. And, Pete, this is a bucket list thing. I think everyone, every Western Australian, once in their life, has to go and watch Australia play England in a cricket match at Optus Stadium. It's going to be one of those things that you can tell your kids and your grandkids about. 9th of October, that's the one I'd be aiming for, Pete. Okay, and how do they get those tickets? Oh, look, you can jump onto the Ticketmaster website now, and as I said, normally Australia versus England sells out so quickly, there is still a handful of tickets available, so don't wait too much longer. Okay, tell us about this MACA Cancer 200 ride that's happening on the 15th and 16th. 
Yeah, look, the, what's fantastic, Optus Stadium, whilst it's the home of sport, is also used for a whole bunch of other um, wonderful reasons and they support charities and so forth. And, and um, our field's near there. It's a start and finish position for this ride. Um, it supports the Harry Perkins Institute of Medical Research. 100% of donations are going back to that institute. It's the ride starts and finishes there at Optus Stadium. And the personal challenge is that the, the people that are involved are riding 200 kilometres in two days. So such a such a worthwhile cause, Pete. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, look forward to that, actually. It's terrific. Uh, let's uh, also turn our attention now to RAC Arena, apart from concerts coming up. Of course, the Perth Wildcats return there uh, next month as well. Yeah, look, I think the, the, the good thing is all our sports are, are I think, are COVID-free with their texturing <laughs> for the first season era. So this is the first season since 2019 that the NBL returns to its regular calendar months. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. So quite a hiatus. Um, and, and one that whilst at the start the Wildcats did well, they've still got that that um, bitter taste in their mouth for not making the finals uh, for the first time last year. So they're going to be looking for sweet revenge and they're already recruiting some um, some star Americans. I understand Sean Thomas and um, Brady Manick are, are across here as um, their special import. So I've got a feeling they're going to they're going to throw everything at this season, Pete, and um, you never know. I think we might see him back in the finals. Yeah, keeping our fingers crossed, of course. It starts yeah. uh, in the first weekend of October, all the Second action of Second of October, yeah, yeah at RAC yeah. Arena. So looking forward to that, Pete. Uh, let's go south to Champions Lake. It's a great regatta centre, and there's a bit of activity happening. In, in fact, this weekend there. Yeah, look for, for the West Australian State Championships on this weekend. Single skulls, double skulls, the Cox eights and fours. Um, and look, this this venue, if you haven't been out there, it's such a gorgeous venue. We do triathlons out there, we do heads of the river, et cetera, et cetera. But look, we'd like to see this a little more on the world stage. So whilst this is the state championships, we're, we're actually actively seeking if we can get some national and international events there in the not-too-distant future, Pete. Mm, no, fantastic. Uh, tell us about dragon boat racing, which also will be happening at the Champion Lakes Regatta Centre uh, the following weekend and also through October. Yeah, look, on, on uh, quite a few dates, that over the 17th of September and the 8th and the 22nd of October, we've got the Dragon Boats out. And, and Pete, this is a, a great festival experience. So you can come along there, not just the Dragon Boating, but there's cultural dance, there's a big food component. You can bring your whole family along. You can even actually jump in a Dragon Boat if you want to have some fun as well. Ah, oh, yeah, look forward to that. Don't worry. Uh, and finally, Perth Motorplex is another Venues West facility. And uh, we're going to spring into spring this this weekend. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, look, it's come around very quickly, but everyone's looking forward to it with great anticipation. So on Sunday, if you've got your own car, you can go down and get involved with the drag racing or the burnouts. And we see this as a good introduction into the season, which kicked off on the 25th of September with the Nostalgias. They're going to have a, a wonderful full day down there with drag racing. Bring your car down for show and shine. There's a custom, custom car club swap meet and also a power parade. So mm. a full day's entertainment for all the petrol heads. Oh, fantastic. And there's a lot of them, let me tell you, sprinkled around Perth and Western Australia. Tell us about Nostalgias. Is that what it is, the Nostalgias? 
Yeah, look, that, that's the theme for, for the day. I mean, when you see these things, we do it out at Speed Dome as well. We do custom cars and coffee out there. And we get literally thousands and thousands of people bringing their pride and joys around there and sharing stories and memories and so forth. So it's an absolutely wonderful day. I mean, you, you, you won't even get through half the cars if you spend all day looking at them, Pete. Ah, good stuff, Peter. That is a great snapshot, of course, Chief Operating Officer there at Venues West. Enjoy the remainder of September, mate, and we'll talk to you again soon here on Drive. Yeah, thanks, Pete, and go Fremantle. (laughs) (laughs) Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer from Venues West, wraps up Drive with Peter Vlahos tonight. Thanks for your company. Thanks to Lee and Jimmy for their support in the producers' area. I'll be back tomorrow with Kim Hagdorn from 5 o'clock. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre.